Hello. This is the Fight Back Podcast, hosted by exercise scientist Georgia Berry. Here, you'll find a series of honest conversations about martial arts and mental health. My guests and I explore the statement that every martial artist has heard. Martial arts saved me. How and why do combat sports save people? Listen to find out. Before you get into today's episode, I have a really important favor to ask you. So you know how we've worked out that martial arts seem to be able to save lives? Well, I want to work out how we can do that on a global scale. So I'm hosting an international conference to uncover what is best practice for trauma-informed martial arts so that we can create an evidence-based therapeutic tool. After this conference, I'm going to be able to take this document to government, lobby for funding, and create training programs to upskill more people as trauma-informed martial arts instructors. This is going to mean that trauma-informed martial arts become accessible around the world to those who need them most. It's really, really important work that I'm doing, and you can help. So please... Pause this episode, jump into the show notes, and check out the GoFundMe page that I've linked. If you can donate, that is amazing. If you're unable to donate, please share the page to your social media. Both of those things really, really help the cause, and you could save someone's life by gifting them the gift of martial arts. Okay, so I'll see you back here in a minute. Go do that, and then we'll get into today's episode. Claire, welcome to the Fight Back podcast. Everyone, I am here with Claire Baxter, who is a two or three, we're not quite sure, time world Muay Thai champion and a general psychologist. So as I'm sure you can imagine, I was very excited to get Claire on to share her insights into where those things, as I'm discovering more and more, overlap. So Claire, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. I'm really looking forward to it. Claire, can you introduce yourself a little bit better than I just did to everyone? Tell us about Muay Thai for starters. Oh, yeah, sure. So my experience in Muay Thai was um, been, I think, a decade now. So I started out um, fighting in the first session that I went to. Actually, I knew that I didn't, I'd never seen a fight before, but I went to a, a training session and I knew that I wanted to fight. I don't really know why, I just knew it. <laughs> Um, and then it all sort of started from there. I sort of, um, it took me, uh, I started out with, with one gym and sort of progressed on and went to others and I was always keen to fight as much as I could. I, um, the opportunities weren't a lot for A, a female um, a fighter and B, someone as heavy as I am. I'm, I'm, I'm heavier than your sort of average range in your more popular weight classes. Um, just kept training and and fighting and uh, I went from sort of one trainer to another and then um, at one point so chased it from one city to another and then and then chased it into Thailand and ended up in Chiang Mai with the sponsorship at a gym called Santai Muay Thai um, and sort of uh, trained and fought there for sort of months at a time um, for over, over three years and had a lot of fights and also had the opportunity there because of the um, I think to get opportunities in Muay Thai, you have to be um, connected. Um, you have to have 
good managers who are well connected with the sort of upper echelons, if you like, of of the promoters and the fight community, which I happen to be fortunate to have. So I got in that situation, I got um, three chances to fight for world titles. So the first one was a WPMF um, in a UTR, um, and the second one was a WMC title in Bangkok. And the third one, which we're not quite sure about because it was a <laughs> it was a title defence of the WPMF um, uh, belt, but it was at a different weight category to the original time, original time that I, I fought it. So whether you say is it a defence of the belt I have or is it a new belt, I don't know. But it it was it nevertheless there were there were three fights there and I enjoyed them all. I kind of feel like three to three time world champion sounds like that fits after that. <laughs> I can I think we can take that. <laughs> yeah. Was it Muay Thai that made you want to study sports psychology? Um uh, good, good question. Uh Yeah, yeah, I guess also a real interest in the idea of um, performance. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember when I went for my <laughs> when I went, when I went for my master's interview, I rather obnoxiously said, <laughs> "It's amazing that they actually let me into the program." I said with lots of confidence, "I said, oh look, the way that I see it is that there is a baseline function, and there are those people at baseline function who are striving for something extraordinary. I'm interested in working with them." <laughs> And they sort of said, oh, "Oh, I got a few looks," and I'm thinking, "What? Hold on, wait. This is this is you know this is all this is sport and exercise psychology. Surely it's all about performance and being the best you can." Um, when I was in the pro- in program in the program, of course, I learned that that that's probably a very false dichotomy, a false way of looking at the world. Um, so I think that my probably initial inspiration was probably a little bit misguided, but it was about. A fascination, if you like, I suppose, with performance, performance, and um, performing uh, sort of on the edge, performing on the edge where you know there's a you either win or lose. There's a lot at stake. That the demands are high, especially in combat sports, right? Where it's if you if you lose, you don't just have your ego bruised. You also get a little bit of a physical bruise. Yeah, I think that's very true in terms of combat sports. Also, some other some of the perhaps more extreme sports, um, losing is not just the pain of having performed poorly um, and lost your adversity. There can be um, at times significant physical damage that goes with that goes with that too, and that's part and parcel, I think, of definitely um, definitely professional fighting. Um, you wouldn't you wouldn't do it unless you also acknowledge that there was. Um, risk to yourself and also be that in order to win you are hurting another person yeah for sure so acknowledging that there's risk to yourself there's the risk risk that you're going to hurt somebody else why fight what drew you to drew you to keep fighting Mm, good question very good question um I don't know how much of my answer is a sort of rationalization um, of things but let me try um, first of all, it is a contract so that you're entering in with another person who wants to do the same thing. So nobody is there in the interaction who doesn't want to be there. So in, in that case, 
what you're offering and the way that you're engaging with the other person is not unexpected and it's not unfair. Everyone arrives in the ring knowing what to expect. Um, so there's a sort of, um, in a way, there's a kind of love and respect for you that you have for your opponent because you can't do it without them. Um, so I think the, in some ways, Muay Thai is a lot about relationships. You have the relationship with your corner and your trainer, and that is one that is, uh, if it doesn't work, it really doesn't work. When it works, it's really wonderful um, because they are there supporting you and they see things that you can't see, um, with, and they give you that feedback in between rounds, which is vital. Um, and the other thing is that you are in a relationship with your opponent. Um, it's a really interesting one because, uh, and it's a one where you sort of sit in two mutually exclusive positions. In a way, you have an enormous amount of respect. Without them, you can't do what you're doing. Yet, if you go in there, one of you is going to come off worse than the other, and one of you may get injured and damaged. So, in some ways, you sort of sit with perhaps it's perhaps it's the two sides of, of what it is to be human. Wow. That is a very awesome, deep answer that feels very philosophical, I suppose. <laughs> you know, I think you can't have an answer in, to that question without it feeling a little bit like a rationalisation. And, mm. you know, we spend, when I say we, fighters, you spend a lot of time around other people doing the same thing too. So it becomes kind of like a, a normal thing and then you feel like you have to rationalise it to, to regular people or which I'm doing in, in buddy ears, quotation marks, but anyone who's listening to the audio of this, um, you know, because they just don't, kind of can't get it until you've done it. But I think you just explained it in a really, really eloquent way, and which segues nicely into my next even deeper question, which is you might have heard it or you might not have, but I've heard and I'm convinced up to 27, 28 episodes of this show that people always say, Muay Thai saved me, you know, it could be other combat sports as well, but have you had any personal experience with that? Do you think that Muay Thai has in some way saved you, changed you? Um, it hasn't saved me, no. I've never had, I, I personally haven't had the experience of thinking of Muay Thai that way. Changed me, yes, it's definitely changed me. Um it has changed me in a way that I, I start to understand how unimportant control is and how important acceptance is. I think Muay Thai has taught me to accept um, because when you're training to fight, you put, your focus becomes on that fight. And really, uh, in in my case, I would find that you know if you had if you, if you had uh, um, a lot of notice about the fight, say it was a big fight, so you had months of, to months advance notice. I mean, it become it would become my entire world. It would be all I thought about. I would train, I would eat, and I would sleep. And occasionally, I would read science fiction novels on the side, but that was really it. That, that was all I did. But at any point as you're approaching that and you're getting, you know, you're looking towards your markers, you're evaluating yourself, you're working, you're developing a really intense relationship with your trainer or trainers and often also with your training partners who are also 
really, really valuable to your preparation. At any point, the fight can be off. You know, your manager and, and the promoter of the show may have some kind of disagreement. And I know the promoter could go broke. Your opponent could pull out. And you are working towards you putting 100% into something that may not happen. It may just disappear from your vision, from your pathway, from your future, like that. It can be as simple as a manager saying, you know, oh, Claire, you know, your opponent thought she just pulled out. What? And so it is the whole time you kind of, you're working, you're putting everything in towards something that you actually can't get attached to because it might not happen. And yet you're 100% invested in it. Um, And I think that Muay Thai made that really, really clear for me and apparent. And I think I learned to accept that about life and to relax into that space. And I feel like I'm happier now, the kind of ambiguity that life is because of me. Yeah, for sure. It's so relevant now, right? So many times now people are preparing to open businesses, assuming that we're going to reopen and then it's being told, no, go back to online and you're constantly having to adapt to outside forces, changing what you can and cannot do and to be able to be relaxed and just accept that and keep walking forward as opposed to, you know, being really, really attached to being able to do something that is very much out of your control is a very valuable lesson to have learned. Yeah, yeah. I mean, perhaps I mean, when you mentioned that, um, I think the analogy goes so far because some of those people who are, you know, trying to set up businesses and so forth, they may have responsibilities that I never had. For example, when I was fighting, it was just me. <laughs> I was the only one who felt disappointed or maybe, you know, maybe the, the gym that sponsored me and the trainers who trained me also, also went through their you know, ups and downs along with my fight career. But I think perhaps for, for people who have what I would call real responsibilities, such as families to look after, that, that that's that's probably, there's, a, there's only so far the analogy might go there. But. Yeah, it's a really, really good point. What about other people? So if you've spent that much time fighting, you've spent a lot of time around other fighters. If I said to you, Let's assume it is it is correct, and then let's assume you agree with me that people do say Muay Thai saved me. Why? Why would that be? Um, okay, so first of all, I would say that I um, I can't answer for everyone, mm-hmm. um, but I am recalling a, a conversation I had with um, someone who I trained with and who I think really highly of, um, someone who was part of my development really as a, as a fighter and also I think as an individual, I think as you develop as a fighter, you develop as a person um, and we spent a lot of time training together, um, you know, commiserating together when maybe, maybe we, we, would, we were dealt some really harsh criticism by, by a trainer, um, also sparring. Um, um, at times I was a bit afraid, for, afraid of him even and he, he described how for him Muay Thai had really provided an avenue for some of his um, impulses um, towards, say, criminality. Um, For some reason he had found that Muay Thai satisfied that drive. It gave it a lot more direction and it also gave him connection, um, guidance, because in a way trainers become uh, uh, um, people who guide you. 
um, and who you look up to. And so he said to me, I think his words were something like, yes, if I would, wasn't doing this now, and he had, you know, he had a, a, a very successful fight career, um, he said that if I wasn't doing that now, I'd be in a very different place. So I think maybe, yeah, if, if you were to ask him, maybe he would use the word, yes, maybe Moitai did save him certainly saved him from a very different kind of destiny or, or, or life, life pathway. Yeah, I think you touched on so many of the themes that seem to come up, you know, having structure, having community, having purpose, you know, eat, eat, sleep, train is something to get up and do instead of, you know, X, Y, Z, whatever else that your brain might decide is a good use of your, of your energy and your time. And now for you, so there was a point in your life where you were really interested in performance. You know, we could say you were naively super, you know, saying all these crazy things. You finished your degree and then you didn't do much. You did a little bit of work in the sports science field, but now you work as a general psychologist. Yeah. Why? Um, I suppose I made the discovery that my passion for support is for, for sport is in many ways in the action and doing um, rather than in a lot of the infrastructure, attitude, discussion and vibes that go around sport. Um, and I also found that, yeah, I love doing sport. I'm less, I'm less interested in things like, and it's a very important, I mean, the only reason sport occurs for us all is because there's bodies of people who work really hard um, in the complex world of sports administration. Um, you know, they support us all, they make it possible. But that's not my, that's not my area, that's not my calling. Um, and I found that in working in a sports psychology setting, I found that I was often drawn into that world and it just wasn't the place for me. I, I am. Uh, my experience of sport is uh, perhaps in perhaps in the doing rather than the contemplation. Um, and I found that general psychology, um, where I work with anyone who 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 has that wish to to sit in the therapeutic space and uh, um, to invo involve themselves in introspection and reflection. Um, I love working with anyone from whatever background they come from I find that a real privilege so I, I found that I didn't need sport as an inducement to working in a therapeutic space it was enough of an inducement of its own. Do you think that Muay Thai and you know growing as a person and a fighter has influenced the type of practitioner that you became? It's a good question um Definitely, because the type of practitioner I am has to be influenced by who I am as a person. Um, even though in the therapeutic space, of course, I don't share a lot of my story because it's, it, it, that's not the way therapy works. It is about two minds in communion, about the content that the, the client or the patient brings into the room and the two minds collaborate and share about that story. Um, but nevertheless, I, I am not a person without a personality as I am there in the therapeutic space as, as a therapy, therapist. 
Um, and I'm also not a personality without a story. Um, and that story is, you know, a large part of that is Muay Thai. So, yes, I think the indirect effects of my experience in Muay Thai are there all of the time. Um, I don't think I could get away with them and I wouldn't want to. Um, if, 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 if there was to be a more direct answer to that, I would say that my experience in Muay Thai has taught me that if I ever have preconceived ideas about somebody, they've been wrong. I've looked at people and just sort of thought, oh, wow, you know, uh, you you want to be a fighter? Uh, sure, you sure? Like you don't seem to have the prerequisite talents or physical capacities that I would imagine a fighter would should have or needs to have or something like that. Um, and I think every time I've had those thoughts, I've been wrong. Those people have, you know, they've been my, 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 my training partners or whatever and they've, their career has developed as as they have planned it and as it as it has unfolded and those people who have ended up uh, doing what they do with with in a way that has impressed me so I think the influence of Muay Thai is that I don't think I ever have um, preconceived ideas about someone's potential or where they are heading I certainly never think about where someone should have that should head that doesn't really cross my mind but I would say that I feel like I've got the lived experience of people are authoring their own destiny as they're sitting with me or as they're training with me. And I just get to watch it unfold. I would never make any predictions about it. Isn't that amazing? I'm starting to ask these questions around, you know, how does having these experiences with fighting shape us as people, not just how does it save us, but like I just asked you before, I think that's the first time I've asked, you know, how does it change us? That's such a, it almost opens the question up even more and then really just makes me so much more amazed at the transformative power that doing something like that can have on your life. And I've spoken about it before. It doesn't have to be Muay Thai. I'm sure people have transformational experiences doing extreme sports or regular sports and anything that really takes over their life and that they really commit to can cause all these kind of insights and especially when you pair it with taking the time to introspect or whether or not you use a therapist to to help you do something like that in terms of then on that theme what are some of the big lessons that you've learned that you wish you could speak to your if you could speak to your younger self or speak to other people who are just starting out particularly other women just starting out in Muay Thai or in kickboxing what would you say um look I don't know my message for my you know younger more junior self in fighting would actually be a little bit about <laughs> in a bizarre way, fight less in the sense that I feel like I was always fighting just to fight. Mm -hmm. I feel like it was a massive struggle to uh, to walk in to convince convince trainers that I was worth working working with, that I was worth training, that I was worth them putting the effort in, into finding a fight. Um, and I felt like I was always fighting to make those possibilities happen. Um, and I also felt that sometimes when it didn't happen, 
when it didn't go as I wanted it to go, that I would feel enormous frustration. Um, and to my earlier self, I would say, look, just stop fighting. Just go with what is there. Um, just enjoy the moment. I mean, maybe there are no fights on the horizon. <laughs> you've got a gym in front of you. You've got wonderful training, you know, training partners and you've got a trainer who is about to pick up the pads for you and you can, you know, practice, practice what it is that you're working on. So just do that. Stop worrying so much about the fight that you want to be there that isn't. Um, to someone who is about to start Muay Thai, I don't know whether I have any advice because my advice would be kind of irrelevant until I knew what it was that they were having second thoughts about. I think that would be surely unique um, to each individual, what it is that compels them to continue and what it is that um, becomes a, a second thought or a, a, um, a concern for them. I would say that would be very unique to each individual. You know, I wouldn't, again, I wouldn't want to assume that something applies to everybody or that I'm speaking for everybody, but I think that the advice that you gave yourself can be applied in so many ways. Like even when I think about myself, the same thing, you know, trying to prove that I was training hard enough for a fight and going to training when I was clearly overworked just because I had to show that I was in the gym enough times a week so that my trainers would put me in. And But then if you think about, you know, does that translate as well to, to doing something just for other people, to show that you're worthy instead of just being, you know, just knowing that you're worthy? And that is something... I don't want to pigeonhole it and say that it has to come with age, but I'm 26 and it feels like it's coming with age, that it almost has to be some kind of a learned experience, that you have to learn that, you know, it's, it's you don't have to be a fighter, you don't have to have world titles, you don't have to have any wins, you don't have to have stepped in the ring to be worthy. Um, you know, even within the gym sense, I think sometimes people can think, well, you know, I'm not one of the fighters, so I'm not important to the gym absolutely not true you know you're so you're so important to the community just for for being you and showing up when when you do show up mm -hmm. I think in some ways if you were to capture the um interpersonal dilemma of what it can occur in a fighting gym I think you've just articulated it perfectly <laughs> because there is actually a dilemma there trainers will push you and it actually takes a lot of courage to say, you know what, no, no, I'm, I'm not doing another round. You know, my leg hurts. I'm not doing any more. And you know what, I'm also taking a day off tomorrow. I mean, I, I don't know whether it would, be, it would have been years before I felt like I was able to say that. There's a good reason for it, though, and that is because, in a way, um, the relationships that you hold in, in gym, and, of course, the, the culture of every gym is different. Um, so this may relate to, to some people. This may not relate to other people who have been in the gym set, in the fight gym setting. But in, in many ways, as you are training and progressing as an individual, as your skill is developing, as your understanding of fighting is developing, the other thing that you also need to be developing is your relationship with the gym. And so, therefore, that's, that's a tricky balance because, as you say, if your trainer has a different idea to you about, I don't know, how fatigued you are 
whether you're trained versus overtraining. To stand there and to, and, and to be able to deliver that message, you know, hey, I'm absolutely exhausted, I haven't slept and my heart rate is up. You may not, you may not get a, uh, um, you may not get a response that agrees with that, and in a way, there is a cost in speaking out against them. And it, it is a dilemma that I think exists. It, it's probably a distillation of uh, very much a, a situation that also occurs in the wider world as well. How do you? At what point does your need for authenticity, in a way? become more important or become you're more important than the relationship you hold with another person. I, I think in a way it is, um, you know, a, um, <laughs> an example on steroids, if you like, of what we might encounter in the real world. Absolutely, yeah. The stakes seem, you know, feel higher. They certainly are, you know, training when you're overtrained or, or when you're injured can certainly lead to more pain and injury or more significant consequences. I wonder what the message is then there if someone's thinking, you know, that's me. I go into the gym and and I, if someone was thinking, you know, I go into the gym and I'm I'm that person. I'm trying to prove to the trainers that that I'm enough. I wonder in that in that case, do you think you would have any advice for someone? Broad advice. I know you don't when it was saying we don't know the person specifically, but let's say someone's listening and they're like, I am. I feel like that resonates with me. When I go to the gym, I don't feel worthy. I'm trying to prove that to my trainers. I don't feel like I can speak up. Yeah, yeah. Perhaps my answer is going to be frustrating here, but for a person who is experiencing that, I would say there is your chance to explore what it means to be feeling unworthy and to feel like you have to to, to prove yourself. And also in that setting, though, that is that is occurring. I wouldn't say that that's does it is it a, is it a sort of direct insight into the individual themselves? Well, yes, but it's a, it's an insight into that individual in that setting. Mm-hmm. So I, I would be I would say perhaps also examine that as um, to the individual who's experiencing that as the way you are in that setting. Not as a blanket, oh, this is the way I am all the time, because I think that can make a big difference. But, yeah, something to explore, something to explore. I mean, it it, it would be um, someone once put it to me. I was in conversation with a friend of mine who was also is a, who is a counsellor and I, confe- I, I, I not confessed but I described to her some of the dilemmas that I was going through and some of the confusions. I'd just lost a fight. Um, and I felt sort of full of self-blame and I identified um, some flaws in my own uh, fighting style and personality that had stumped me. And her response was, and she said, well, that's good, Claire, that is, what what words she said? She said, that's your little black box. That's for you to explore and to understand what's inside that. And so I think I'd probably refer to her words. I think that's a good. Yeah, yeah, I love that because I think it does go both ways, right? We can get insights from things that happen in one compartment of our life, be that what happens in the ring or in training or in any other sector and use that as time to pause and to think, how have I been thinking? How have I been thinking, talking to myself in my head? 
is that what I want? Is that what I want to continue? Does it affect other areas? But then also to be aware that we don't end up in black and white thinking, applying that then to to everything and saying, oh, I noticed I'm, you know, having these unworthy thoughts in Muay Thai. I think of myself as an unworthy person. Oh, my God, I'm a victim. I have a victim mentality. This is a, you know, widespread problem for me. I need to start working on this and to not I mean, caught too caught up in saying, you know, yes. everything is broken. Everything's broken, and it's all my fault. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it could it could be actually that you're in a really savage and harsh gym. Mm. I mean, it, it may be a case of hold on, wait. I really am. You know, my leg is broken, and they're still saying I need to come to training and do a hundred kicks on the bag. That's a bit unrealistic. Um, maybe maybe it's not maybe it's not a healthy place to be in. Yeah. The other thing I would say, though, to the person who is like, oh, my goodness, I, uh, that is me, what's wrong, is first I would say, well, also what's right, you are going to training every day and you're putting your heart and soul into it. So keep a balanced perspective because, you know, you're doing it, you're there. Yes. And it's a platform from which you can explore the self, but you are there and you're already doing something. Sounds like it's tough to... Yeah, I think, you know, that there's a lot that you can take away from training if you want to go and do some introspection, I think bringing positive psychology into that and making sure that you're not, you know, only focusing on the negative is something that's very, very helpful. And, you know, perhaps it's useful to have some prompts if you do want to explore things that are coming up in training I would think maybe have a journal and, you know, what's what's some things that are going well in training what did I feel like wasn't going well? What do I want to do about that? What do I want to change? And that's where you can start to think, you know, is it me? Is it reasonable? Is it is it is it the gym? Is it me? Where, where do I want to grow as a person and as a fighter from here? And then if you're really getting stuck, I think, again, it's important to think everybody should go to therapy in my mind. I go to therapy. I don't consider that I have any significant traumas. I think having somebody who you put this, you explained this earlier, um, maybe you can explain this better, but it's having someone there who is really there just to listen and it's not it's not a 50-50 conversation like you have with your friend. You know, it's, it's really just about you talking about or you working together to talk about your problems. You can explain that better than me, actually. I oh, no, shut I, up. <laughs> I, I, actually think, I actually think you explained that, that really well. Um, and I also like what you said about you like, look, therapy can be uh, for everyone. And it's true. I mean, there's actually two sort of different bodies of thoughts there. One is an idea of, oh, hold on, wait, is there something wrong with you? Go to therapy to fix it. Which is which is a model that some people take, and some people are very comfortable with that. And in that way, um, uh, in a way, almost like as soon as you arrive, you and the therapist are preparing for the end of your sessions with this idea that whatever is troubling you, you can work together and resolve it, and then off you go uh, to the rest of your life. Of course, there's another way of thinking about things, though, that is much more long term, which is. Um, a therapy is a place to, is a place where you can freely explore yourself and you have a sounding board you're there working with a therapist but you can explore yourself and how long should that last well how long's a lifetime and how deep do you want to look into yourself 
So for those people who are interested in it, yes, it's, it's an avenue that, that uh, of self-exploration that you may wish to continue for a long time. I could not agree more. Claire, we are almost running out of time. Can people still follow you as a fighter? Are you looking to fight again? Are you still active or are you focusing on your career as a general psychologist? What's next for you? I would, of course, coming out of COVID, there hasn't been a lot happening. Um, oh, I'd love to fight again. So I, I'm after COVID, I'm, I'm back. I'm in the gym. I'm working with 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 a trainer uh, who I'm very happy to be working with. And um, I don't know, finding the fight opportunities in COVID, and also as a heavier fighter, um, and also once you get to a particular experience level, it find it becomes more and more difficult to find. Mm other fighters who are at a similar experience level of you, as you. Um, so you get to a point where, um, particularly in the less popular weight classes, the frequency of fights and the opportunities to fight really slows right down. <laughs> Life gets less exciting, more training, less fighting or, or just or just le- less activity on the mats altogether. No, but I'm there. I'm, I'm training. I'm, 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 I'm really loving it. I'm, I'm learning to, to use my hands more because I've always traditionally kicked and kicked a lot. But I'm, oh, That's me. <laughs> oh, you're another kicker. Yeah, started in karate. Yep. There are also two different types of people. When, when, you, when you start people out, and I'm actually you, you probably notice this more than I have, but some people naturally just favour their hands and other people favour their, their legs. Yeah, I, I have to say, Claire, it has been really great for me to hear you say a couple of things, one being that you stuck to being at a heavier weight class and accepted that there were less fights that might come your way because that's something that, you know, I have pushed myself into probably two or three classes below where I should really be because that's where a lot of the fights were. Um, and also because I thought I was getting some crazy reach advantage, which was it worth what I was doing to my body? No, definitely wasn't. Um, but also to think, you know, you're still a fighter. You don't need to prove that you're worthy if you're not taking fights. And part of that is you know, for, for me, and just I'm just going to selfishly say this is just for me, for anyone listening, but for me, you know, that's really cool to hear that you can just say, you know what, I'm going to be that unpopular weight class and I'm going to wait and when the person to fight is there, then that's great and otherwise I'm just going to keep working on my craft. I love that. Yeah, work on your craft and, um, I don't know, fight less. Fight less to fight, just kind of go with the flow, I think, because actually at the end of the day there's not really much else you can do. If you try any other way, all you do is give yourself a headache. <laughs> Literally. Yeah. So how can people reach you? Um, are you on social media? Where are you most active? Oh, look, I'd be surprised if anyone actually did want to want to, <laughs> want to reach me. Um, look, I, I, um, I suppose wait till I fight next and watch the fight. <laughs> Yes, support local fights, come to the fights or stream them. But I don't know when that'll be, so. Who knows, who knows. Um, So, Claire, thank you so much for coming on. Is there anything else at all that you would like to share, having a platform to women and martial arts enthusiasts around the world? No, look, thanks so much for the opportunity to to talk and to sort of discuss some of the the more philosophical aspects of, of the practice of fighting and training. So it was a pleasure, absolute pleasure.
Oh, it has been mine. I feel like I've learned so much. My mind is blown. I'm going to have to listen to this one back for sure. There's two of us. I feel like I've, I've learned a lot about um, trauma-informed training, which is amazing. Yeah, keep doing what you're doing. Have you thought of something to be grateful for today? What was it? I'm grateful for the amazing women that train with me at the Fight Back Project. I'm grateful for Nari and the beautiful song Shape Me heard at the beginning and end of every episode. And I'm grateful for you for listening to this show and helping martial arts keep saving lives. So thank you from the bottom of my heart. If you'd like to leave me a review to help more people find the show, that's a bonus. You need to know that nobody shapes me but me. Don't gotta tell you what my name is, I don't gotta explain it. Walk in the room, hear a boom erupting like I'm famous. I'm here shedding shells, I'm shameless. I fear nothing, no complacence. Walk to many tight ropes with no hope, so I became this poster they hold over all the heads of trauma holders. You don't need to know my history, I move boulders. Atlas shrug, cause I lifted the weight above his shoulders. No pretense of defense, move first like chess soldiers. This goes deeper than empowerment, cause... I'm the one that power it. Physical meets mental challenge me to keep devouring. If I can't change the scenery, at least I change perspectives. No longer isolated, but elevated and selective. Darkest places become beautiful spaces. This is where rage meets patience. Meets power meets gracious. Meets, we're so glad you came in. The feeling is contagious. When you the walking impact of intended bad intentions. When you the manifesting of collecting all they tensions. You the soul and body hold it all and still remember. But I'm a work in progress, testament to all contenders. Forgot what it was like to have control over self. Forgot what it was like to be the one in charge. Forgot in my reflection, I can see all my wealth. Forgot that with my bare hands, I break all these bars, barriers, and obstacles. They can't cage me. They can't chronicle all my experiences and reduce them to appearances. When I was truly beaten, gave myself clearances to fall down, mess up, and get myself back up. I'm not looking for clovers because I don't believe in luck. Damn, you were badass. I heard them say it clearly. Why, thank you very much. I know now I'm not weary of what's next for me because I expect to see growth like I was planted, watered, fed, and bloomed to be the positivity and accountability. Knowing they won't step if I'm the agent of my agency. I think I found my voice again, huh? I think I found my voice again, huh? I'm not sorry, I'm not sorry, you're the end where I begin. Boundaries, I know them well. Take a breath and meditate. Who is she? I know her well. Now I get to open gates. One, two, one, two. I don't need your permission. And if you get uncomfortable, then use your intuition to know that I won't stay where respect is ever missing. And everything I do, that's me making decisions. It's truly underrated, the value of self-worth. Forgot that I was rich from the moment of my birth. A penny for my thoughts, no really. You can't afford it. You cannot buy my story, rewrite it, or record it. You cannot buy my story, rewrite it, or record it, huh?